The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. We're the one show giving you the truth about personal finance. This is Financial Coaching Radio, and I'm your host, Jason Qualls, certified financial planner, one of the only independent commission-free financial advisors in Rutherford County. For all about me, check out JasonQualsCFP.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-Q-U-A-L-L-S-C-F-P.com. If you'll jump in, questions, comments, click email the show. At financialcoachingradio.com. First up, let's talk about one of the more controversial topics between the males and the females, and in financial planning in general. Now, typically, a normal and norm, normal is a loose term. When people think about financial advisors, they typically think about saving for retirement. Now, financial planning is a lot more broader than that, or more broad, whatever the correct term is. You know, it covers risk management, insurance planning, you know, emergency fund, estate planning, tax planning, of course, retirement, college, saving for a car, saving for a house, whatever. Everything your money touches is really what financial planning is about. And in the early stages, it's more about budgeting and getting on the same page and developing discipline and good spending habits and staying out of consumer debt. And as you get older, uh, the, your main priorities or objectives change. But when you're in a relationship, you know, this is one of the more tricky things. You know, I think in the, in the South, uh, we were used to hearing one adage for many, many years is that, you know, married is one, right? You know, marriage is a religious thing to people in the South. Not that it's not other places, but more so, I think, in the South. And once you become one, everything is one, right? And here's the trouble in 2024 with just believing this black and white way of managing money as a couple is you know the old ways that we're now one well we ain't now one because typical marriage in 2024 i'm not pulling up the stats how many marriages are second marriages third marriages maybe even fourth or fifth marriages how many people uh that are divorced still have a constant situation whether it be child support alimony or whatever from a previous relationship and then have kids that are minors that are not, you know, taking care of themselves yet. They're under age 18, they're under age whatever. They're still in school and they need financial support. So it's just not about you. It's about all these other factors in a typical marriage situation in 2024. So what is the right way for couples to handle money? In my opinion, because look, this is, it's like anatomy, right? Everybody's got one. And everyone has an opinion on this. And I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way unless we're talking about a specific couple. We have to look at it. Okay, you're both 25. You're just out of school. You're just starting your careers. No previous relationships. 
then maybe there's one way for those people. Let me look at, hey, this is a second marriage for both. There's kids between the two of you from previous marriages. Maybe there's a better, different way for that type of couple. And so on and so forth. You get what I'm saying? Every situation is unique, right? But this article that I'm referring to today is this more generalities about, you know, everything in this utopic society and how do we... It's almost common sense stuff. So let's talk about where... Set goals. Dream dream about the future with your significant other. Okay. Distill your dreams and aspirations into financial goals. What? What are we doing? Is this a Tony Robbins seminar or is this time to help me better have better money communication with my spouse, my partner? Uh, this one's ridiculous. Take a, persona- a money personality quiz. Get to know your cash flow. List your assets and debts. Know your credit. One of the, and this is an awkward thing, right? Again, because the relationship dynamics are so diverse this day and age. Now, if it were just young people or first marriages for both, I think it's just a lot simpler. But trying to understand and being really open and honest about your finances, too. Um, well, again, you may have someone that just wants to be supported by the husband, the breadwinner, and they don't need full disclosure about financial assets. They just have to feel safe and secure, uh, and get their monthly allowance or whatever they're looking for. But if you want to do this right, and we're talking in general terms, because again, everyone's situation is unique. And I don't care what your spiritual background is, what your personal view on this, what your personal situation is. If someone else's situation is different and they use a different money management method in their marriage or relationship, you can't say that it's bad or good because if it's working, that means it's good. So there's a lot of ways to achieve this. But what's the number one thing? You got to communicate. Here are my views on money. What are your views on money? What are my expectations? What are your expectations? And there is no, there's compromise, but there is no hiding the truth. If you hide the truth, I think that's where you're going to get into difficulties in managing money. But I heard something the other day, and I don't know if I've ever heard it before. And I think this would be relevant or applicable no matter your um, relationship dynamic or background or, or, or stage in life. That is, you got to open up. Everybody needs their own checking account. Husband has a checking account. Wife has a checking account. Husband has a savings account. Wife has a savings account. I don't care if it's one income, household, or two. I think this is applicable. Then there is a joint account where all the shared expenses of the household get paid out of that account. But then the wife has their own spending account. The husband has their own spending account. That way they're not dictating and getting in each other's business and not having any freedom and no autonomy about what money is being spent. Now, do you actually have to have that um, in every scenario? No. But it gives everyone, hey, these are the things we have set up. This is set up for your autonomy. Your autonomy. These are set up for mine. And we're going to pay every some things jointly. Some things we'll pay separately. Your personal expenses you may pay separately. Maybe money that the husband's putting in there, but he's not tracking it. 
It's up to the spouse that's receiving the, the income to track it or the money from their job. Get with me. So a scenario would be wife works outside the home. Her money goes into her checking account. And then whatever they've agreed to to share expenses goes into the joint account where they pay the household expenses. If there's any at all, it doesn't mean there has to be any. That's the beauty of this. Whether you use this way or another way, it's let's talk it through. Let's figure out, okay, where, what's important to you, husband? What's important to you, wifey? Let's lay it out on the table. And let's come up with a plan. And once we come up with a plan, and everybody knows and everybody's clear on their expectations about how money's going to be handled, you stick to it. Once you start deviating from, well, I think once you, if you've never discussed it, you just like, you just go all, you try to combine stuff right away. You, you make a total life change. Not that getting married is not a big enough life change in itself, right? And that's sarcasm. You just jump in, you do what everybody says to do. You don't think about it in terms of your personal situation, your unique situation for you or your spouse, and you don't communicate about it. I think you're screwed. I think ultimately you're going to end up screwed. Somebody's going to feel like they aren't getting a fair deal. But if you lay it all out there, here's what I want, here's what I want, and you meet in the middle and you compromise and you make a decision and say, that's how we're going to do it, and then you do it that way until you say, hey, well, maybe there's a better way. Let's try this. You make a few adjustments on the fly. Oh, now we've got the perfect system, and you stick with it. And if some person dictate or deviates from the agreed-upon way of managing money, starts hiding money, starts lying about money, starts mismanaging money, overspending, whatever, and that's not addressed in a proper way through the system that you've designed for your marriage, you're also screwed. So... What's it going to take? Well, in essence, it's like anything else. Two people working together for the common goal of whatever that may be. And I don't care if you got one account or ten accounts. It's all about setting the correct expectations. So if you're newly married, young or old, first, second, third, fourth, or fifth marriage, you got to take this general observations about marriage and money with a grain of salt. Sit down with someone who actually can have an objective eye on your situation, help you look at everything that is positive, everything that could be an obstacle, and come up with a marriage and money plan that works best for both, not one. And I think that is really the key, right? Someone feels that the marriage and money plan is better for one than the other, or someone's not on board, or I can't get so-and-so on board. And they try to get in terms of communication about money. And if you don't like communicating about money, put your big girl panties on. Put your big boy panties on and get in there and do it. You're a freaking adult. Now, there's so many adults out there. And I'm going to go on a little tirade here. so many adults out there. And I say an adult. 25 and up. I don't know if you've really lived enough in life but under the age of 25 to be called an adult in today's age. But if you're 25 and up, you got a big girl, a big boy job. I don't care what experiences you had in your past relationships about money. I don't care how your parents handle money. If you can't own up to your own BS and say, this is my thoughts and feelings and wishes and desires and expectations and fears and all this good and negative stuff about money and lay it out there with your spouse, you're not an adult and you probably don't need to be getting married. So, my take on it.
All right, we got a good, other good stuff lined up for today. Make sure you stick around. We'll talk a little bit about 529 plans, 401ks, and student loans. All your way next. Keep it locked in right here on WGNS. This is Financial Coaching Radio, and I'm your host, Jason Qualls. Hey, Financial Coaching Radio listeners, if you don't understand exactly how your financial advisor is compensated, you could be in big trouble. My name is Jason Qualls, a commission-free certified financial planner. To learn more about why my process is so unique, go to JasonQualsCFP.com or call 878-2134 today. Okay, folks, I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. If you were my client or a loved one, I would never let you get your wills done online. This is truly a case of where you only get what you pay for, and those you leave behind will be the ones to pay the price. Go see estate planning attorney John Baker today by calling 896-5621 or go to bakercouncil.com. Again, that's 896-5621 or bakercouncil.com. Get the expert estate planning advice you need today. Did you know that the U.S. tax code has over 70,000 pages? This is precisely why you must have a tax expert on your team. The folks at THNW CPAs have been providing their expertise to individuals and businesses in Middle Tennessee for over 50 years. And now they have an office right here in Murfreesboro. Call Kevin Sizemore today with THNW CPAs at 848-1072. That's 848-1072 or online at THWCPA.com. Welcome back to the show. Let's talk a little bit about college saving 529 plans. And, you know, it's like everything else and with the government and everything else with financial accounts these days. They can't leave anything well enough alone. Now, they make certain improvements for every improvement they make into an IRA or 401k or 529 or whatever. They make five or six or ten stupid things. And it just makes it just complicates our life. Because at the end of the day, we know the real issue, right? It's not because we need to improve upon the rules or the required distribution rules, age, and uh, change anything to do with these accounts. Because ultimately... A lot of people aren't in a financial position to use them because they haven't gotten their finances straight. You want to make some law changes. You want to do some good. Let's get people off the government dime where they can be financially dependent on themselves, actually earn a decent wage, a livable wage, budget, stay out of debt, get out of debt, start saving for their own things and not be dependent on things like a tax refund which comes from a tax credit for they didn't even pay in. Anyway, there's a new rule, apparently, for my 529 plan. What's a 529 plan? Well, it's pretty much the premier way to save for college. If a kid doesn't go to college, and I guess this applies just to 2024, the SECURE Act 2.0, you're talking about college money, 529 money, if it wasn't used for school, now can be uh, used, can be converted to a Roth IRA. I think we've talked about this in the past. There are certain rules. And typically, 
if you're working with a planner, and it's not, of course, everything's unique, but if you've saved for college and you've done, you plan this out, you're probably, and your kid actually used the money, went to school, you probably don't have too much, but your kid may not have went to school, may have dropped out of school, maybe started their own company and ended up being successful without school, or maybe they got a scholarship. I don't know. There could be a myriad of reasons of why there's money left in a 529 plan. But if there is money left in a 529 plan, do the research, talk with your financial planner about can you move those funds from unused funds from a 529 plan for college into your own Roth IRA. And there's crazy limits. Talked about them before. If you have questions and you want to learn more, hit me up. Click email the show at financialcoachingradio.com. But just know. 529 money, still there, not going to be used for college. You might have some options. Just do the research. All right. This is Financial Coaching Radio. You're listening to WGNS. Switching it up one more time. Uh, this is interesting. Shocking. It's, it's kind of along the same lines. Like, and I would assume before I get into it, it's having to do with the Secure Act 2.0. And if you don't remember what the SECURE Act was, it was just an overhaul of some major, a lot of things, but a lot of retirement plan changes, uh, mainly increasing the required minimum distribution age for IRAs and 401ks. Um, let's see. But now, apparently, and I'm not going to read into this because it's just it's so ridiculous. An employer can now match student loans with retirement contributions. And at first glance, of course, it's secure at 2.0. Uh, the employer's place of work or employee's place of work can match whatever they pay towards student loans into an eligible retirement account like a 401k. This means that an employee making $700 a month student loan payment could trigger an employer contribution to a retirement for up to the same amount each month. Of course, the exact amount of funds an employer decides to add to a retirement account through a matching program will vary from company to company. Not all employers will decide to match student loan payments. And I'm thinking, yes, there is a student loan crisis. I mean, there's so many people have borrowed so much money for school because it was so accessible. And it's not a bankruptable loan. They can't get out of it. Some can pay. Some can't. Some are stuck forever. Some may get forgiveness. Some not. Irrelevant for this conversation. And the payment on their student loans is prohibiting them from you know, buying a house, buying a car. Well, there's a couple facets to that. Well, you could earn more money. You could you know, be really, really disciplined and very, live very beneath your means and pay that stuff off sooner. There's you know, a lot of personal responsibility involved here. And there's something we need, to, if we want the economy to grow at the pace that we probably could have it grow at, if we solve the student loan problem, um, at least gave people a way out quicker than just hoping that they pay them off when they have 150000 in student loan debt. I don't know if I agree. Like, who thought of this? Like, who's sitting there in Congress? Like, are they daydreaming? Like, how does it go? I want to meet the people who propose these things that are good, bad, or it's just bizarre. Like it's so, so now like, Oh, I got an idea. What if, and I want, it's probably the person that has 
a son, daughter, or whoever that works for an employer that's trying to get something for free from the employer. Because I just can't see someone going, yo, how about this? If an employee is paying $700 a month on a student loan payment, how about we allow the employer to put in $700 a month into their 401k? Now, it's great for the employee, right? You're getting 100% return on your payment. And I will go into this. We could go into some math of how we could use that through other means um, efficiently, uh, even after taxes and after penalties, to increase your student loan payout. Not getting into all that today, but you know you could manipulate it like that. But it was like my thought is how, why? I just don't understand. Are you real? You really not have enough problems to tackle at the Senate and House of Representatives level. Did you add in all this crazy stuff? And it's just, ultimately, it's who's going to participate in this, right? Now, I don't think large employer, and how much are they going to even, they're not even adding a significant amount to employees' health savings accounts, in large part, when you work for an employer, to offset the cost of the employer moving to a high-deductible plan. Most of them aren't going to be adding money into a 401k or whatever because you're paying off student loans. They're just now some will and it'd be a great benefit for those who do. But it's just not. It's not gonna have that much benefit. Why waste the time? Is my point. But these this day and age, it's always better to check and triple check because the rules of all types of investing plans have some type of added feature to them. Advantage or disadvantage because of the passing of the SECURE Act. And there'll probably be a 2.5 or a 3.0 coming soon because they have nothing better to do. Like, let's not fix the tax code. Let's just add to it. Let's not fix Social Security. Let's just talk about how we could do it. If Let's not actually get a presidential candidate worth anything. Let's put two 80-year-old men opposing views and lifestyles and one that could have mental health issues and dementia and the other one may have other types of, you know, <laughs> you know let's just not worry about those things. Let's worry about can an employer put some money into your 401k if you have a student loan payment. You see my cynicism with this, right? It's just, I think this is how the government is. Anyway, that's the two topics on that segment. If you got a question, comment, disagreement, hit me up online. Click email the show at financialcoachingradio.com. You can also click on any of the social media links. It should be right there at the top of the website, jasonqualscfp.com. That's my name. And I'm back at you right after this short break. a financial plan? I'm not talking about a worthless binder full of pretty charts and graphs. Are you certain you're on track to reach all your financial goals? A comprehensive financial plan is about so much more than just your IRA and mutual funds. 
It involves risk management, tax planning, professional investment management, retirement, and estate planning. Make sure your entire financial life is in order by calling me, Jason Qualls, a commission-free certified financial planner at 878-2134 or go to my website, jasonquallscfp.com. Buying a house is stressful and so is shopping for a mortgage. Take my advice and get a second opinion on the mortgage for your new home or your refinance. Not all banks and mortgage companies are created equal. Trust me on this. Call my friend Marshall Sparkman with Franklin Synergy Bank at 615-439-0885. Great team, great process, and the best rates. Marshall Sparkman with Franklin Synergy Bank at 615-439-0885. Back to the one show giving you the truth about personal finance. This is Financial Coaching Radio. No books to sell, no live event tickets to peddle. We'll leave that to the other guys. There's no hidden agenda here. We're just trying to talk about topics that actually help you make better money decisions. And uh, we don't believe in one size fits all because that ain't the way the real financial world works. If we're trying to do what's right for clients and especially right for listeners, which is what you are. Appreciate you tuning in. This is WGNS and again, Financial Coaching Radio. I'm your host, Jason Qualls, Certified Financial Planner. JasonQuallsCFP.com. J-A-S-O-N-Q-U-A-L-L-S-C-F-P.com. Before I get into this next article, I want to discuss who wrote this thing. Who are you? Oh, he's a CFP and an AIF, whatever the heck a AIF is. Anyway, uh, there apparently is some mutual fund misconceptions that he needs to he needs to debunk uh, mutual fund misconception one uh, gives investors the opportunity and that's you know, gotta look at verbiage the opportunity to beat the market um, I don't know why that's a misconception I don't really care what he writes because I can just tell from that first statement he didn't really think it through uh, buying an actively managed mutual fund does in fact give you the opportunity to beat the market just like anything else it, uh, there's an opportunity for me to become president of the united states but just because you have a pr- opportunity to do something doesn't mean it's very probable very likely so yes mu- the misconception of a mutual fund not an index fund not a passively managed fund an actively managed mutual fund that's really the goal right is they're trying to beat a particular area of the market most of them don't, but you still have the opportunity. So that's not really a misconception after all. They do give you the opportunity. Mutual fund misconception number two. Mutual funds have high expenses. Does it give me an average expense ratio? I'm trying to see. And again, I, typical actively managed mutual funds have higher expenses than index funds. Now, whether you call that high or not, that would depend on the fund, case-by-case basis. But if you're looking at an index fund that has an expense ratio of basically zero versus an actively managed fund 
a point five, and I'm too off my rocker today to try to do the percentage change. The difference between zero to point five percent is point five percent of a mutual fund expense ratio high. I would say it's not high because there's funds out there one, two, three percent sometimes. But just because I wouldn't call it high, it's a hell of a lot higher than its active or index fund counterpart. So I would say I agree with that misconception. And I would say it's true depending on your perspective. Misconception number three for the mutual fund. Buying mutual funds is an investment strategy. I can't really wrap my head around. I never had somebody, well, that is a common question for people who haven't. They're thinking, well, what do I invest? You know, it's, it's they don't really understand. And it, it's just an expectation thing. It's it's an, it's an information thing. They think, well, do I invest in real estate? Do I invest in a mutual fund? Not understanding that mutual funds are like real estate. You can't do what real estate. You're going to buy a duplex, a quadplex, a, a, a apartment building. You're going to buy a three two three bedroom two bath house. Like, are you going to buy a strip mall? Are you going to buy whatever commercial real estate, a hotel? It's all real estate. So you can't just say, well, is real estate better than a mutual fund? Because there's thousands of types of mutual funds out there. So if you're of the train of thought of do I do a CD, a mutual fund, real estate, money market? You're thinking about it incorrectly. So no, a mutual fund is not an investment strategy. An investment strategy is the higher level. It's your allocation percentages invested in every asset class. So if you own some stock funds, some bond funds, maybe you own some real estate funds, or maybe you own real estate in itself and through rental property or whatever. You know, you combine all this and you look at the very high level of what you have in each percentage of your assets in each. That's an investment strategy. How you're taking advantage of that investment or implementing that investment strategy is the underlying assets. So I love these articles that come up because it's almost like they're, pulling they're trying to pull something out that maybe doesn't really exist to kind of get us to um to read and nothing wrong with that all right this is financial coaching radio we're going to take our last break make sure you keep it locked in right here on wgns i'm jason qualls certified financial planner back with you right after this much are your investments costing you each year? Most people don't have a clue. Why is this extremely important? Because overpaying by just 1% a year in fees and expenses can reduce your account balance at retirement by 28%. You heard me right. 28% less at retirement. I'm commission-free, certified financial planner, Jason Qualls. I don't sell financial products. I don't accept commissions or kickbacks from investment companies. Give me a call today for a free unbiased investment review at 878-2134 or visit my website, jasonquallscfp.com. A recent undercover study found that over 89% of paid tax preparers made mistakes. You heard me right, over 89%. Is your tax person making mistakes? 
tax mistakes cost you money and may even lead to an IRS audit. I recommend you get a second opinion on your tax return today by calling Tothero Helen Welch CPAs at 848-1072. Tothero Helen Welch has been providing tax services to individuals and businesses for over 50 years. So call them today at 848-1072 or go to thwcpa.com. Welcome back to Financial Coaching Radio. Just thinking in the break, it's not my expertise, and I would say it's probably not the expertise of most um, established financial planners, financial advisors in this day and age, uh, for a myriad of reasons. That would be cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. And a lot of marketing is being done today by people who have become financially independent through trading crypto. And I'm not saying they haven't or they have. I'm not talking about the old days when the crypto went from basically nothing and made people millionaires. I'm talking about the last two, three, four, or five years when cryptos is kind of staggered, you know, has some up years or up years or up months and some uh, down years, some down months, some down days. But it's kind of just up and down, up and down these days. It's not this continuous rise like it was at one point. I know every crypto is different. But I'd like to have one of these crypto financially independent folks on the air. It's like, is this legit? They're really just traveling the world, just talking crypto, trading crypto. I would say, hmm, probably most of them aren't. But if you are one, hit me up. Hit, click email the show at financialcoachingradio.com. If you're looking to learn more, you can always log on to financialcoachingradio.com. Click archives, listen to all the past shows. Again, archives at financialcoachingradio.com. I'm out of here for today. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you. Appreciate you listening today and every day. I'll be back at you at the same time, same channel tomorrow, right here on WGS. Keep it locked in. More local talk. Bye.